For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Onus Wagner was one of the, the greatest baseball players in history. Um, he, he played in the early 1900s, so not a lot of people know of him nowadays and just how great he was at what he did. Um, but what he's most well known for now is actually his baseball card. Um, when when uh, cards were produced back in the early 1900s, they were often put in tobacco packages, and Onus Wagner didn't want a, a picture of him, a card of him, uh, involved in tobacco, and so they stopped production. Uh, but some of these cards were made in very limited quantities, and it's become the, the holy grail of baseball cards. There's only a few of them in existence, uh, and the Onus Wagner 1909 uh, T109 uh, or 209 card um, is it, just unbelievably treasured. Um, the, there was one that was sold a, a couple of months ago. It was ripped in two. It only, there was only half of it. And it sold for half a million dollars. The last sale of a, of a complete, uh, well-preserved specimen of an Onus Wagner 1909 baseball card, the last one sold at auction for $6.6 million. Uh, when I was a kid, baseball cards, my baseball cards were my treasures. I love my baseball cards. I had boxes upon boxes of them, but... Uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty worthless. If I was lucky, I probably would have got maybe $100 for all of my, my football, baseball, and hockey cards. Um, but I'd line my walls with them. I would go through the binders, and I'd flip through them. They were my treasure. Now, uh, this is where the story gets uh, sort of pretend, uh, hypothetical, let's say. Uh, now, imagine one day that I'm 10 years old, and I'm going to a thrift store. I'm there with my mom, and uh, we're just sort of looking through things, and I stumble across a box uh, and it's got some junk in it. You're, they're selling the whole box, and inside the box there's maybe an old drill and a pair of overalls, uh, and there at the bottom of the box, I happen to see a 1909 Onus Wagner baseball card. <sighs> you, you cover it back up in disbelief of what you've just seen. You triple check, uh, and the whole bin, let's say there's a price tag of $200 on it. And as a 10-year-old, I'd probably never seen $200 in my life, but, but knowing the great treasure that, that was there in that thrift store, I would have, again, once again, didn't actually happen. Wish it had. Uh, I would have raced home and I would have taken every baseball card in my room. I'd have gathered them up and put them on a table in my front yard. Everything must go. I would sell all of it. I'd sell my toys. I'd sell my comic books. I'd sell my pillows. Whatever I could do, I would do it in a heartbeat to try and get $200 so that I could go back to that thrift store and buy that box of seemingly, you know, on the surface junk but within carried this amazing treasure. Uh, see, there, as, as I think about this, uh, it's this perspective of, of that which I once thought was my treasure, right? My baseball cards. I, I wouldn't have given them away for the world. I love my cards, my Roger Clemens baseball cards. But once you discover a far greater treasure than that which you had becomes just nothing. It's expendable. And, and that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Um, in that day, they didn't have banks, and so they would, uh, they would in fact, hide treasure in, in the ground. And um, it wasn't very often that you would find buried treasure. It was like a once-in-a-lifetime maybe kind of a deal. Um, but here's this parable of a man finding treasure, uh, and because of the great treasure in that field, he with, it says with joy, sold everything he had, everything that he once treasured, 
He sells it all so that he can buy the field and own the treasure in the field. Verse 45, uh, 40, yeah, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. Um, it, it again, in this context, in this day, pearls were the most valuable thing in the world. Um, they were extremely dangerous to, to get. There was no diving equipment. And so people in the Persian Sea, they would strap rocks to themselves. They would jump out of boats and the rocks would carry them down to the bottom and they'd pick up oysters and they would hope they had enough breath to come back up to the surface. So pearls were, were, were extremely valuable and there were wholesalers regularly on the search for pearls. Uh, and here we have a pearl merchant who finds a pearl of, of great value, of exceeding worth, the pearl he's been waiting to find his whole life. So again, in light of this amazing treasure, he sells every other pearl that he has. Everything is on the auction block so that he can buy this amazing treasure. Then verse 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, the, the parable gets a little less pleasant here. Um, uh, and, and, but again, Jesus is now hitting us with all these parables about the kingdom, about the kingdom of God. And there's this understanding uh, here that, that in this day and age, there is currently what we know as common grace, that those who are living in the kingdom, those who are part of the kingdom of God, living alongside those who are not. And it's not for us to judge. It's not for us to try and judge who's in and who's out, but rather we live alongside together uh, and we trust that someday God will, will sort it all out. He's the one who judges. Uh, then in 51, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Um, here, again, it's another parable that Jesus is saying that, that a now a scribe, a one who, who understands that the kingdom of heaven is upon them, that Jesus inaugurates the kingdom as one who who can bring out the old treasures and understand the Old Testament and the New Covenant and bring them all out together and make sense of them in unity. There's this new understanding. Verse 53. And when Jesus finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming into his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? And is not this uh, is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not his sisters with us? Where did he get this? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Um, to, to the people in Jesus' neighborhood, they knew that Jesus didn't have the proper education. He didn't have the proper pedigree to be taken seriously. And, and what we see is a stubborn unbelief that becomes a tremendous hindrance in their view of Jesus, that they're not willing to believe that Jesus could, could actually be the one they've been waiting for. Uh, so we've got <laughs> all these different parables. Um, what do we do with these stories? I came across a quote um, from Blaise Pascal, who was a 17th century philosopher. And he said this, and this was right like 400 years ago. All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever differ different means 
they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. They will never take the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. Jesus is talking here in these parables about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven being the reign and the rule of God. That Jesus himself is now king. Jesus is the authority. We become his citizens. It's inaugurated by Jesus through the leading of the Holy Spirit in the lives under his authority. In the kingdom of God, we see there's an intimacy with God through his atonement. That Jesus, by the power of his blood brings us back into relationships that we can walk with God once again, that we are adopted as sons and daughters, as we saw yesterday, into the kingdom. And we sit at the banqueting table, at the king's table. This is the the kingdom of God. It's the assurance of pardon through redemption, that we know that our sins are forgiven and we know that there's hope for the future. We know that there's purpose and meaning in our lives as God has given us gifts and calling us into mission. And it's a call on our life to surrender the imperfect, to surrender the old and and our old allegiances to ourselves, to our culture, whatever it is, to surrender those allegiances for the sake of entering into the kingdom, of coming under the reign of Jesus instead of the reign of ourselves or someone else. And seeing the the far surpassing greatness of the kingdom of God than any other kingdom we can serve in. And that's the the parable of the treasure and seeing the great treasure of Jesus himself, of of Jesus our Lord, calling us to follow him in eternity, adopting us as sons, adopting us as daughters, giving us a place, calling us ambassadors for eternity, that that when we truly see that kingdom, it is far greater than any other. And, And we live right now in this kingdom age where the kingdom has begun, but those who who aren't in the kingdom are also dwelling alongside those who are. And we have a mission not to judge and cut people off, but rather to to try and bring as many into the kingdom as possible because we know that the great sorting someday will come. The question is, what is Jesus worth to us? What is the kingdom of God worth to us? We see this image of of Mary uh, right before Jesus is crucified, Mary breaking open this extremely expensive bottle of perfume and pouring it on Jesus' feet and anointing him. And some criticize her. Jesus says, no, what she's doing is blessed. And you see, Mary Mary had a higher value of Jesus and what he was doing in her life and in the kingdom that was being inaugurated rather than this, this expensive jar of perfume that could have been a couple years worth of, of wages. And it comes to our perspective of, of what do we treasure? What do we value? And that's why I really like this, my little imagery of, of, uh, of the Onus Wagner card at the bottom of this, this, this thrift bin, that it's a change in perspective, that that which once I treasured and thought was the greatest thing in my life compared to this far greater treasure that was there the whole time. That's the thing about the treasure hidden in the field and the pearl. They were there the whole time. People were walking by them. It was a matter of, of seeing it for what it was, for un, sort of unveiling it and actually seeing what, what was there and seeing the value in it. Then everything else in life changed perspective. Everything else became, as Paul says, rubbish, garbage, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Uh, and so 
I think the prayer here, the call on us, is not just to force more obedience. It's to try and be better. But to have our eyes open to see the fullness of who Jesus is. And then the sacrifice that he calls us to make becomes a much easier thing, a light thing, sort of a a no, it's it's, it's a no-brainer to sell all of my baseball cards to get that one card. It's a no-brainer once you truly get the perspective of the treasure that it is. And, And that is our prayer, that we would see the kingdom of God, that we'd see it here now breaking in and what that means for us and what Jesus is doing and who he is and his love for us and what that means for eternity. And if we can get the scales peeled off our eyes and get a a true perspective and glimpse of that, then everything else falls into place that God is calling us to do. So let's pray. Jesus, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you more clearly in the, the great treasure that you are. Not to just blindly walk past and ignore. And I pray that you would help us to order our lives aright that all else pales in comparison to you. And God, help us to see the kingdom, to love the kingdom, and pursue the kingdom here and now, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth as we seek to follow you with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, hope you have a great rest of the day. Talk to you again soon.